Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports. I'm Jason Springer, joined in studio by my co-hosts, Jeff Rupberg and Ryan Strauss. This week, we're also joined by our friend Jeff Cohen. We're back in studio with this and every Sunday on 610 AM Sports ESPN Radio. Guys, free agency is open now. We're through the legal tampering phase. Eagles are making moves. Jeff Rupberg, you must be excited. I am very excited that uh, Nelson Aguilar will not be the number one primary target, nor will Duriel Green Beckham. We'll get Tory Smith and we'll get uh, uh, the other guys, uh, Alshon Jeffrey. So when we last left our listeners, and, and Ryan will bring you in and Jeff in a second, when we last left you, the Eagles' starting wide receiving core was Nelson Aguilar, Doriel Green Beckham, Jordan Matthews, and now our wide receiving core is Alshon Jeffrey, Torrey Smith, and Jordan Matthews with Nelson Aguilar somewhere further on the team because he makes a number too big to cut. Ryan, do you feel more comfortable now after the start of free agency going into this season? Not asking if we're going to the Super Bowl. Just asking if you feel better about where the Eagles are right now. Absolutely. I think it's almost impossible to not be happy about the moves. We have some new targets, and it'll definitely make the Eagles a lot more fun to play with in Madden. <laughs> That's, see, now I hadn't looked at that angle yet. That's good stuff. Jeff, I know you'll be playing a ton of Madden, but you'll be more watching the games. What do you think as a, a football fan for the Eagles with the moves that they've made so far to open up their offseason? To me, the biggest concern is Alshon Jeffrey. Alshon Jeffrey is a guy who has a ton of promise, but every year he just seems to get injured. So for me, Alshon Jeffrey would be the key guy, but if he gets injured, they're back in the same spot. So I'm wondering if the fact that he is going to play on a one-year deal helps with his motivation and ability to stay healthy. Uh, There's going to be some other targets. As much as I was excited about Alshon Jeffrey, I was pretty excited about Torrey Smith. Now, I know that his numbers last season weren't what everybody had hoped for. However, we haven't had somebody that can take the top off of defense since Deshaun Jackson left. And that meant they loaded up the box, and our running game couldn't do anything, and our tight ends had to stay in and protect because there was no need to double-team everybody. There was no need to go with a deep threat. Now we've got somebody who can go deep. Then we've got Alshon Jeffrey who can try and play that role of that number one. You put Jordan Matthews back in the slot where he belongs, not making him a number one. He becomes basically your number two or three receiver, depending on how you look at Smith. And all of a sudden, you've got a little depth along with Zach Ertz and Brent Selleck as your tight ends with Trey Burton, wherever you're going to put him in, to figure out what you're going to do now on offense with Carson Wentz for weapons. And do you remember the Pittsburgh Steelers back at their championship team in 1979 and 80? I they don't. Had, I was just born, but you can tell okay. me about it. Well, they had Lynn Swan <laughs> and John Stallworth as wide receivers. I think they're all, they all made all pro, and they, they're probably in the Hall of Fame. And uh, Benny Cunningham was a tight end. They had three guys out there that you couldn't cover, and they won two consecutive Super Bowls. But here's the problem. That Pittsburgh Steelers team also had Franco Harris. Well, that's So who's good. running the ball for the Eagles? Well, year? that's where I hope we go in the draft. So playing this forward, okay, uh, the Eagles solidified, at least in the short term, their wide receiver position. Now, some will say it's a Band-Aid. I think it gives you a, a bridge to get to where you're going. If Jeffrey plays well, you can try to extend him. If he doesn't play well, you can try and move on. You now don't need to spend your first-round pick on a wide receiver unless it's really somebody that you want. It's a deep cornerback draft from everything that you read. 
at 14, I'm looking to maybe go running back and try and get a Dalvin Cook in the draft. Try and get yourself a running back that can fit into this offense. Well, I think particularly in today's NFL, the league is so pass-heavy that it'll just be beneficial given how much we're going to be throwing the ball for to have these wide receivers. I'm of the opinion that getting a running back is a little bit inconsequential to the round. We need help in the defensive backfield and – Really, I think most of the production of running back comes from the offensive line and blocking schemes. So I think that whoever they find to put back there will benefit. The problem with the Eagles running backs right now, they just cut Kenyon Barner. And I I liked him a lot. He was a kickoff guy, and he could run as long as they blocked for him. I I think he's going to end up in New England, and Belichick's going to have another uh, all-pro running back. He can play with Eric Rowe. Yes, he could, and and with Deion Lewis, if uh, he's still healthy. So, obviously, Jeff, you don't agree with all the personnel decisions that are being made. However, if you're looking to the draft, what is your now priority? Okay, we've got some wide receivers. Does that fill that need for you? Are you like Ryan, that you look early for defensive back? My concern is, at 14, we will miss out on the top cornerbacks and defensive backs. So at 14, we are reaching for somebody that maybe we could get a little bit later in a deep draft and fill another need. Yes. On the other hand, if you get to 14 and Mike Williams is still on the uh, is still there and uh, the the uh, wide receiver from Clemson, and if you have uh, Dalvin Cooks, it's going to be pretty hard for the Eagles to, and, and McCaffrey from Stanford. If it's it, it's going to be pretty hard for the Eagles to pass up on those guys to get a cornerback. I don't think they go McCaffrey at 14. I think they would take Cook potentially at 14. I'm not sure what they would do at wide receiver at this point. Um, Nelson Aguilar is going to be on the roster whether people like it or not. It's going to cost us more to get rid of him than it is going to be to keep him. So you now have four wide receivers unless you trade Jordan Matthews already. They're going to be on your team. Well, I, I don't think the Eagles should trade their number one pick for um, uh, Brandon Cooks or, yeah, or, I don't or think trade back or anything. I don't think they're going to look to trade picks anymore in terms of trying to get Cooks. I think that the moves with Jeffrey and, and Smith sort of solidify, at least, again, in the short term, where you are. You give your wide receivers, you give your quarterback some targets that will catch the ball. How about Paul Turner? That's your boy. Never gave him a chance. Never gave him a chance. So I actually um, (laughs) had a question about that, Um, and I don't think any of us will be able to answer it, but I heard he only played basically six games in the NFL. So I wonder whether they can put him back on the practice squad and still try to develop him because he's not tenured in terms of how long he played in the league so I don't know whether you're a big Paul Turner fan you've wanted him to get his shot since you watched him in the preseason I'm I'm aware of your fondness for him I don't know if that means the end of his career in Philadelphia but I don't know if he figures into the mix if they draft a wide out in in the upcoming draft you've got five wide outs there and unless Turner's playing on special teams He's got to do something else. Right, does, right. He be, does he become something else on the team? Sure. Jeff, let's talk about the the defensive strategy going into the draft. What would your priority be? Would you go defense now? Would you go running back? What would you do if you were GM? I would probably go for defensive back. Okay. I think that if you solidify the back of the the back of the defense, that and get guys can can play one on one, that it opens it up. It opens up your linebackers to be able to cover more of the field. 
And I think that if you get pressure, which I think they're going to be able to get pressure, I think the key is to get guys that are going to be back there that can play that one-on-one defense. I would like the Eagles to draft a defensive end because part of the problem I felt like they had at quarterback is that the at cornerback is that the quarterback had way too much time to throw the ball. Even the best cornerbacks in the league cannot cover a receiver for six and seven seconds. Well, if that's the guy you want, I got a guy for you. Yeah, who's your best guy? name? Taco Charlton. Taco. So you would <laughs> do you draft based on naming? Is that no? I probably draft based on my alma mater. Alma yeah, mater. So you Michigan. would look for. So who, well, Brandon Graham's a Michigan that's boy. That's right. Isn't he? So you can Jabril have either end. Jabril Peppers. Okay, so I don't know if Peppers fits into the scheme of what they're doing, but he's going to be a really good player in the NFL. So we're talking in the draft now. Strategy's changed a little bit. Let's look for a second at the offensive line. Um, the Eagles did make a signing this week on offensive line. They signed Chance Womack, uh, guard, 323 pounds. He's still only in his mid-20s. So, again, the opportunity for him to be around longer if they'd like. He started for three straight Alabama championship teams, played four years as a starter in Tennessee. Here's what I like. He's back united with what he said was his best offensive line coach ever from Alabama, Jeff Stoutland, who is the Eagles offensive line coach. So let's look at the line for a second. They say they're bringing back Jason Peters. You believe that, um, that now chance Womack will be there. You believe that uh, Lane Johnson will be there. There's your third. So now you've got, they signed Stefan Wisniewski to a three-year deal. Oh, they did this this recently. They did. Okay, good. And so he can good. he can either be a starter for you somewhere along the line or a backup at multiple positions. You've got Isaac Samalu, who I believe is what they are grooming to be their center, with Wisniewski as the backup. You've got Brooks at right tackle. No, he's guard. Is he good? He's a guard. Right guard, and then you've got Big V. Right and Barber at left guard. So where does Jason Kelsey fit? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> maybe that, maybe on Kansas City uh, on the waiver wire. <laughs> does, does Jason Kelsey start the season as an Eagle? My, my I don't believe so. Well, I think the center position is really vital. You mean they're starting the blocking schemes on the line, and because we discussed this numerous numerous times last year, Kelsey's an undersized center in today's league. So particularly given his $5 million cap, um, you know, maybe it makes sense to try and move towards Wisniewski or Sayamalo more in line with the modern game. You're going to have to watch what happens. He does create money if he becomes available. Then you have Ryan Matthews, who they can't cut yet because he's returning, but it sounds like once he is healthy enough, he will not be a part of the team. That will be some money that they will recover. I don't, I don't think he should be playing anymore with a neck injury. You know, one bad move, he can end up paralyzed. So, I mean, that's on him, but uh, yeah. it's a shame because I thought he was good. I don't know what they'll end up doing with that, but it it does not seem that Ryan Matthews are, is a part of the plan long-term going forward. Uh, Jeff, I know you wanted to talk a second about former Eagle um, Josh Huff. Yes, he, uh, he went to Tampa Bay and didn't do very well. Uh, dropped passes. They uh, blamed him for a lot of things, kind of like a, a mini Aguilar almost. Kind of like he did here too. Yeah, and he <laughs> wasn't getting open here either. Uh, and then he was caught uh, with all, all sorts of th- things, uh, illegal issues here. Um, I don't know anything about uh, wh- his legal troubles. Have you read anything about uh, anything? 
I haven't seen anything about him since he was traded. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to bring him back in Tampa Bay. I don't know. It, the The amazing thing is uh, people were concerned when he left. It doesn't seem like it impacted one way or another. No, no, people don't really talk about him here. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's one of those picks that uh, you look back and you wish you could have done something differently. They were trying to fill a need at the time. I don't necessarily agree with it. He's a, he's a good return man for kickoffs. At times. Yeah, but the other thing is, too, is I think it's wrong for the National Football League to allow a player who's charged criminally to be picked up by another team, even though he hasn't had his trial yet. So I'd like to ask the attorney in the room about that. Could the NFL say, you've been charged, but charge is not being guilty? Could they say you can't play while this is adjudicated? Well, they've done it, haven't they? Isn't that what they did with Adrian Peterson? But he wasn't even charged, really. I mean, he, his was a perception issue. It was the well, same thing with Greg Hardy. The thing was settled, and, it, and they did it when the videos came out. Ray Rice ended up settling for pretrial intervention, and because there was a video, he hasn't played. I, I think that the NFL does it because of perception, not because of legally they should or can't. Well, it, yeah, but they have collective bargaining agreements. Mm -hmm. So in those collective bargaining agreements, you can bargain for or away anything you want. So my understanding is these morals clauses, and then also there's the collective bargaining agreement that allows the commissioners way too much power. It, uh, Jeff, I know you mentioned that, that you wouldn't want Jeff, Josh Huff, Huff to play because he was uh, charged, but what happens if it turns out that he's not guilty? So you've now prevented this person from football, especially football. Football is a very limited period of time that you have to make your living. So you're saying to a 22, 23-year-old guy that he's not allowed to play in a sport that it may represent 33% or 20% of his total lifetime income based on a charge that he has not been found guilty yet. The, I, I think that if, if a team cuts him because of that, that he should be suspended. But did the team cut him because of that or because of the public perception that came about? The Eagles didn't cut him because of the charges against him. The Eagles cut him mm -hmm. because of the blowback of having somebody who did that on their public perception. I think a lot of times mm -hmm. teams react to what the fan base may or may not say. That's why years ago it was so surprising when they kept Riley Cooper after his comments when, when they did I that. So... I just I know you wanted to bring it up for a second, and I, I don't know whether the league has or should have the ability to do that, but bottom line, as a football player, Josh, Stuff, Josh Huff still hasn't done anything in the NFL. So the, the most that he's had himself in the paper and talked about is for the one bad thing he's done. So, I mean, I hope he's getting himself straight and lands with the team. I'm also hoping that we have some We won't miss him very much. No, we won't. Here. No, when I'm watching Alshon Jeffrey catch passes. Okay, so I have a very silly question for you all. Does Nelson Aguilar literally walk over and hand him the jersey for number 17? Or does he <laughs> fight him for it? Because Alshon Jeffrey is number 17, and um, I don't know if I believe that Nelson Aguilar will be wearing that jersey That's probably season. part of the contract when he signed. He had to get that number. I, I'm, I've heard... Uh, people, players that they would only play with their number or with certain numbers before. I, I'd just be happy to have any number, but that's because I have no talent. So well, there might be some sort of a deal where Aguilar has to, or Jeffrey has to take him out to dinner, and and uh, that's a they, big, they, they, dinner. big dinner. So wait, yeah, yeah. Jeffrey? Well, he'll have money with he his will, fourteen yes. million dollars over right. one year. I think Jeffrey's setting himself up if he can stay healthy. Going back to your initial concern, Jeff, 
for a big payday. Call him Jeffrey. Call him Jeffrey? Yeah, and I'll Does be he Jeff. go by Jeffrey? Yes, or are we just you? decreeing yes. that on the air? Alshon. Sure. Okay. So, yeah, we'll call you Alshon since it's Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeff, why don't you take us to a break, and then when we come back, we'll talk plenty of other sports, right? All right. It's kind of time to take a break. This is the Heart of Sports on 610 AM. And when we come back, uh, we'll continue with our talk about uh, uh, the Eagles, but we'll also talk to Jeff Cohen, Jeffrey Cohen about legal issues in uh, sports. In stay, sports. Stay right with us. Let me tell you, buying or selling a home is a life-changing decision. Whether you're looking for your first home or searching for your forever home, Ann Coons is the realtor you need. In fact, she helped my wife and I settle into our forever home. With over 30 years helping satisfied clients buy and sell homes in the Delaware Valley, Ann Coons will give you the professional and reliable service you deserve. When it's time to buy or sell a home in South Jersey or Philadelphia, contact Ann Coons, the only name you need to know in real estate. You can call Ann Coons today at 856-795-4709. Again, that's 856-795-4709. Or learn more on the web at www.annkoonsrealestate.com. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.NewJerseyShares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon residential landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. And we're back. This is the Heart of Sports on 610 AM. I'm Jeff Rutberg with Jason Springer, Ryan Strauss, and Jeffrey Cohen. I'm glad you made sure which Jeffrey was joining us. So, Jeff, a few weeks ago we talked to Coach Greg Hughes from Princeton. He talked a little bit about the Crash Peas event that would be going on. You actually took a little trip this past weekend and walked away a smiling, proud father. Why don't oh, you yes. tell us about it? My daughter, Leah, competed uh, in, with uh, Princeton University. So it was Princeton University rowers and the Special Olympics New Jersey row athletes okay. at the Princeton Boathouse. Yeah. It's all indoor rowing, although the weather was nice enough for them to be outside. They could have been out on the it water. Could, it could have been, but they, they haven't had the, the uh, Special Olympics group out on the lake yet. Okay. So they, it's called the Crash Peas. Uh, other Ivy League schools do it. Other uh, schools that have, uh, other colleges that have rowing also do it. But sure. this was specifically just for Princeton and the uh, and and all the Special Olympics New Jersey teams. There's three of them. So how'd it go? So it went really well. There was a couple records that were broken by the Princeton uh, rowers. Um, my daughter finished in second place in her division. There got, you go. got a hammer. That's great. Uh, they, they give them hammers uh, with the uh, inscription on it, Princeton University uh, uh, rowing. Were and you there as a piece. smiling father? I was, I was taping it. Uh, she, uh, she didn't have a problem, but there were several rowers that had uh, uh, stomach issues. Oh, as, as Coach Hughes said, oh, yes. they, um, they, they tired heave. themselves yes. out a little bit too much, and it's, were not going to be able to contain their pre-breakfast. The, the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Special Olympics athletes were doing the, either a 500-meter sprint 
were a 1,000-meter sprint. Okay. The Princeton rowers were doing 2,000-meter sprints. You know that I get tired listening to you talk about how far they sprint. Yes. And that, they, that and like, wears me out, and I need a nap. And they just start. Right from go, it's, it's Z- all out. Zero to 100, and they're... That's right, and they're going. So I yeah, congratulate all the, uh, all the rowers on, all the, on, the, on the Princeton team and on Special Olympics. Congratulations wow. and a great job. And congratulations to you and your family on your, you. your daughter's showing. It's got to be a fun time. Yes, Leah, Leah was a guest on the show Absolutely. Uh, a few months ago. Well, and, we're, uh, we're glad she did so well. Thank you. I'll tell her. So now that the crash peas are over, um, <clears throat> this week we'll, we're watching some of the conference tournaments going on in college basketball. We are leading towards Selection Sunday coming up and some March Madness show of hands. You can't see on the radio. Who's excited for March Madness? I am, All I of am. our hands are up. Right. This is a fun time of year. Ryan, what are you watching? I know you're watching Michigan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So how is Michigan doing? Are they going to make the tournament? We'll get that out of the way for you and Jeffrey first, our alums. We'll be in the tournament. We just won again. It's Purdue today again. Okay. So So you're feeling confident about your your place in the tournament, Jeffrey? Yeah, I I think they belong. Jeffrey, uh, how do you feel about this? I'm confident they're in, and uh, I'm confident they won't get very far. Do you feel like I'm lecturing you like a parent would by calling you Jeffrey? No, I'm getting used to it. Okay, just making sure. Yeah. So, Ryan, you've been following along with Michigan. What else do you expect to see? Well, I mean, we'll see a bunch of great games as usual. I think certain teams are more suited towards the basketball in March. Do you know who isn't? (laughs) Rutgers. (laughs) No, they do they even play basketball? Hey, easy there, Tiger. They <laughs> they won their first game in the Big Ten tournament this year against Ohio State. And it only takes one, but they got it. And then they lost so against what about Villanova? I'm sure our listeners are Villanova's gonna be your only really team from the area that's gonna be in the tournament playing this year. This hasn't been a strong season for what would be the the big five teams from the city. Jeff, we right. talked last week about seeing games at the Palestra. Yes. Those days of the dominant big five, Villanova's the last team standing going into this year's tournament. I remember when uh, three or f- out of the five, uh, three of them would be in the NCAA tournament and one would be in the NIT. I remember Temple winning the NIT uh, uh, one year when uh, they didn't uh, make it to the NCAA. So, but now it's just Villanova. Have all five of them ever made it in the same year? Um, I don't remember that. I don't, I don't believe in the same year, so. but I loved it when they all played each other. And that was why part of why they stopped is that they were all beating each other up and they couldn't all make it because if no, you but they have, they still do. They still have the big five games every year. It's they all play not the same not as the same, it used no. to be. They, they, they used to all play at the Palestra. There'd be no, but they still play. Games. Those games, are, they, they're not double headers. They're not the Palestra, but they still play those games. And oh, they're yes. still right. yeah. it, It's funny. From, as much as I like new things, I'm still a traditionalist. Yeah. We, were, we were talking before the show started about some of these tournament games being played in places that we don't understand. You've got the Big Ten tournament being played in Washington, D.C., You've got the ACC tournament being played in Brooklyn. Even though there's no team in New York in the ACC. It just looks odd to me. Like, I feel like something is wrong. It's, it's like when I go now and they show the games in the pre-tournaments and they all have the same floor design now in the actual NCAA tournament because they've branded the whole thing the same. So you're not playing on, like, that local team site or floor. It's just got, like, the same floor tournament with the logo of the team who's like closest nearby within like 100 or 200 You're a marketing guy though in your day job, Look, essentially. It is smart branding and marketing for the tournament. 
However, I run into problems when there are things that I like that are traditions that are taken away for the goal of expanding your brand. Uh, I happen to believe that traditions expand your brand and, and highlighting traditions strengthens your brand. So I think you lose a little bit. It's like I, I always get some nostalgia when I watch some of the older hockey games on TV and there's no ads on the ice or on the boards. Right, on the boards, right. But but last week there was games at the Garden where they played no sound in the second half and the players were complaining that there wasn't music going on. See, I like it when there's no music. I, I like the old-fashioned in-the-gym sound of the game as opposed to all this music being pumped in so that there's never a moment. When was that started, by the, the way? When did the NBA start doing that? Uh, well, I remember they were doing it uh, in some part of the Iverson era. I, I know that they were doing it, but Definitely, I think that's yeah. part yeah. of why I like college basketball so much because the music becomes the band. Right. So that's yes. the yes. Mu- it's like a part of the atmosphere. It, it, I, I don't. I'm in general. I believe that if fans go to game, they sh- games they should cheer. And I can't stand the music to like get loud, and then they put "get loud" on the the sign. Like, if you don't know to get loud at the game, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, like, I don't need the hands to clap. I always laugh when they before the Eagles games they play the Rocky scene where Adrian says "win," and all of a sudden now everybody's supposed to cheer because they weren't excited for the game before. But now that they've showed that clip, we're ready. But yes. that, uh, baseball it works out really well with the uh, Oregon. By the way, just one correction: there is a team in the ACC in New York. <laughs> It's just several hundred miles away in Syracuse. Uh, th- St. Well, John's isn't St. John's. Uh, they they're not. The they're garden. not in. But they're no, not they're in, in the, the ACC. They're in oh. the Big East. Okay. So they wouldn't. So th- that would mean that Syracuse is the home team hosting <laughs> in Brooklyn, which makes obviously logical. Well, for television purposes, it makes perfect sense to be in Brooklyn. But if you're talking about, it, I mean, the, the Carrier Dome could hold those games. It has held big games before with. Syracuse as the hosting team. It just goes to show you the marketing engine that this is. Uh, you know, I, I like we. I know we all like to be altruistic and talk about the players and the stats. And it, behind it, it's about the money and the dollars and the the machine behind it all. Yeah. And what <clears throat> and what goes with that is that in the tournament bracket itself, some argue is optimized just to maximize ratings. That's why you have potential matchups of. They're just intriguing to the fans or accessible to certain groups of fans. Um, like last year, you had Michigan-Notre Dame in the in the tournament. It's hard to say that that's not on the mind of some of the committee members nowadays with how much money is involved. I would like to find the people who don't believe that that's on their mind. I, I have something to say to them. It's clearly, I mean, if, you, if you're going to throw... If you're <laughs> I gonna, was waiting for you to counter that point. <laughs> no, there's no counter. It's absolutely... Look, they're human, okay? So if you've got three teams that are on the four seed line you can put one in a bracket where there's a more appealing game they're still a four seed you're not changing the integrity of the tournament you're just creating something from a ratings perspective that people are interested in seeing be it a named matchup or a team that's going to play well the other thing too is that it always teaches me about the new colleges that i never heard of before in the country that's how i learned my geography yeah like gonzaga <laughs> wouldn't surprise me what we're it's in where washington i think yes. washington state mm-hmm. and uh uh you never hear of gonzaga during now they're a big time team big time thing or or uh, quinnipiac 
Uh, well, I know them because of polling for the my polling, political but they, work. But they've got a hockey team. Uh, See, Winthrop yeah. I knew because they've been in the league, in the tourney for a couple of years. So, But I always, I enjoy seeing those those teams from, from areas that don't get traditional coverage. I think it's part of what makes college sports fun. Um, I know that I have some friends who argue that they don't like the surprise Cinderella who had a bad season and makes it because it knocks out a team that's better, that's closer. Yeah, I'd like to see North Carolina get knocked out. <laughs> so that's who you'd like to see lose. They play Duke next again. Oh, okay. It's the third yeah. time they, they play each other in the in the tor- ACC tournament that they have coming up. So, Jeff. So, so, Jeff, I just have a quick question for you. Since you like those new teams, yes. where is Coastal Cal- Carolina? <laughs> Is it North Carolina? I think it's North Carolina. Is it? Is it? Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. <laughs> I know I went to Al- I went to Alfred University, but they're Division Three. So. I I enjoyed last year Florida Gulf Coast. They they were the dunking team that yes. just dunked all the time. They're back again dunking more this year. So I have a question for my attorney here in studio, um, Jeffrey. I was listening to the radio last week. We talked a few weeks ago about how um, with trademarks you can't actually say the word and use the word Super Bowl in advertising. That wasn't terribly surprising to me. I don't know why this was. I'm listening to the radio the other day, and it catches my ear that somebody is having a party for the big tournament coming up, but they can't say the name. That's what they said in their ad. But you can say the name. I can say it on the, on the, on the radio it. that it's March Madness. Why go. are they not able to say March Madness, even that that's what it's around? What, what kind of game are we playing here? Because the altruistic NCAA... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, right, sure. <laughs> that that what, what they were going to do was trademark the term March Madness. So just like the, the Super Bowl has been trademarked, and you're not allowed to use that without their permission, so is March Madness, so is the Olympics. So if somebody wants to use that for anything that could be considered or construed to be commercial gain, you're not allowed to use that without a license or permission from them. So they basically trademarked a month by adding an additional word to it correct i just but it's not that simple i mean march, no. march madness is something that they've built up i mean they pe- have people always sit there and say well yeah well, it's not fair that they do this well the fact is is they have spent billions of dollar dollars building up this tournament through advertising through marketing campaigns through the schools and and march madness is its own brand its own mark and they need to protect that to make sure that other people don't make money off of something that they've worked hard to do. So it, it, it's it's big, and everybody sits there and goes, it's the NCAA, just like it's the NFL, and it's not fair, and they're bullies. But think about it if you were a small business, and you were a startup, and came up with, with a name, a brand, a mark, and built it. And then 10 years from now, you're a $500 million company. At one point, you were small. Believe it or not, at one point, the NFL was small. The Super Bowl didn't exist when championship games were being played in the 60s. Before, the NCAA tournament at one point was not a big deal. The, I think the NIT tournament was actually bigger at one it, point. It was. It was yeah, for so, many years. So they, they have built up that brand from a something small to something big, and they have the right to protect everything that they put into it. Could I ask the extent of that? Are you allowed to, let's say that I'm a charity and I want March to be a month that I'm fundraising, 
Um, if it has nothing to do with the tournament, am I allowed to call my fundraising campaign March Madness? Or it's literally you can't use those words it, together it, for anything. If anything could be, if it's considered to be confusing in any way, if people are led to believe that by you holding a March Madness event in order to get money. So like if I had something. a yard sale and I had like the light versus the table. That would be a violation because it would be con no. I'm joking. <laughs> but but it, people can't see the look I was. He, he just gave me. A I terrible. lost you. I lost you completely there. He said it can't be like the tournament. So I was going to match up the different things I was selling in a yard sale. The one versus the 16 seed in my junk yeah. that I was selling at my yard sale. My my question was more about to what extent can you basically occupy the words? You can occupy the words within a certain category. So there are certain things. So if you have uh, your watch, and it's called Bulova. You can you have Bulova as that category. You can have different. You've seen the same name as different categories of commerce. So you can have that as long as it's not something that's going to cause confusion in the marketplace. So let's talk confusion in the marketplace. We'll move on from March Madness, and we'll talk a little NHL hockey. So the Las Vegas Golden Knights are supposed to be joining the NHL. They are. Why they, is that a problem? Well, hockey, hockey in Vegas is a problem. Separate from <laughs> yeah, the right. actual issue Betting, there. Yeah. Why is that a problem in terms of the name that they chose? What's wrong there? Well, what happened was is usually when you're looking for a logo or looking for a mark, and I just want to be clear with regard to trademarks versus some people might be thinking copyrights, is that trademarks are the logos, logos or short titles like Coca-Cola is a trademark. The names of teams are trademarks, even though there's wor they're words. A, a, a copyright is, is something more substantive as far as an entire work. Or as you see at the end, beginning and end of every NFL or baseball game, the, the production itself this is, is property. This is property of Major yes. League Baseball. You're not allowed right. to reproduce it Express under penalty. Written and, consent. Yeah, under doing anything that you will never be able to like, we, go outside. We could game. all probably memorize it because yes. we've heard it so many times uh -huh. since we were kids. Okay. So for trademarks, which is what this is, they, what you usually do is before you pick your mark, you do a search for your mark. And you make sure that somebody else doesn't have it. Are you going to tell me next that this NHL team did not do a search? For no, I, I, I suspect that they did do a search. But the problem was, is when, after you do your search, you then file your registration. And when you file your registration, there's somebody in the United States Patent and Trademark Office who takes a look at it and determines whether or not there's something confusingly similar or something that, that they, said they have a reason to reject it. So what's confusing here? There is a Golden Knights uh, college team from I think St. Mary's. Yeah, no, College of St. Rose, St. Rose in New York. Yeah. So so they the Patent and Trademark Office has determined rejected their application for a trademark. Now they have several months to file an appeal and they'll probably work it out. I thought Army was the Golden Knights too. That was what came to my mind when I saw the name the first time, Golden Knights. And I was surprised that that was the name that they went with. But are, is this just an a uh, thing of a professional sports entity trying to say we can do this until you tell us we can't well they can do it they can do it even if they don't get the registration what it, can't they do then? It, there's something called a common law trademark so if you start using it in a certain area you can still argue that you have protections you just have less protections than you do if you have a registered trademark with the trademark office so they wouldn't be able to have some exclusivity in certain areas outside maybe outside their region they'd have to determine and it would 
be litigated, but they've made it more difficult for themselves by picking a name that they currently don't have a registered trademark for. So, Jeff, this is the part of sports you hate, right? The business side that has nothing to do with the team on the field, right? <laughs> it- well, I, I, I looked into getting a license uh, years ago. Uh, you know, and, and years ago, it was less expensive to uh, if I wanted to uh, come up with a shirt that said Philadelphia on it with a, to, to a green, green shirt with a black border. Yeah, now. Uh, and, and, and now, uh, well, I could probably put Philadelphia on that. Yeah, you could put Philadelphia, uh, but, but, but if, if you're going to use the Phillies P logo, oh, no, no. then you're not going to be able to use it. Or how about a, if, it, if it says Eagles on it, Philadelphia Eagle or Eagles? Uh, if you have something that says spell- Philadelphia Eagles, you might have some. I, I wouldn't suggest that you do that without getting the, uh, a permission from them or a license for them right. to do that or, if you're going to start selling those kind of shirts. Or how about a, it'll say Philadelphia and then I'll put a, an Eagle on there and with an apostrophe S. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeff, why don't you take us to break? <laughs> All right, with that, uh, you're listening to The Heart of Sports on 610 AM Sports. Time for our final break. When we come back, we'll talk more about the World Baseball Classic and other sports. Stay right here. We'll be right back. Let me tell you, buying or selling a home is a life-changing decision. Whether you're looking for your first home or searching for your forever home, Ann Coons is the realtor you need. In fact, she helped my wife and I settle into our forever home. With over 30 years helping satisfied clients buy and sell homes in the Delaware Valley, Ann Coons will give you the professional and reliable service you deserve. When it's time to buy or sell a home in South Jersey or Philadelphia, contact Ann Coons, the only name you need to know in real estate. You can call Ann Coons today at 856-795-4709. Again, that's 856-795-4709. Or learn more on the web at www.annkoonsrealestate.com. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey. Those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.newjerseyshares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. And we're back. You're listening to The Heart of Sports on 610 AM Sports. I'm Jeff Rutberg, along with Jason Springer, Ryan Strauss, and Jeffrey Cohen. So last week, guys, we talked about the World Baseball Classic. Ryan, you were very excited. You're going to be setting your alarm. I, on the other hand, with a newborn, don't need to set an alarm. Natural alarm. I have the natural alarm. (laughs) Did you wake up excitedly to watch the World Baseball Classic? I did. I also fell asleep a lot because the games were at such weird hours. They are. They're, they're late at night. They're early in the yeah. morning. It's tough. It, it was hard, but I, I was able to watch a fair bit of at least parts of most of the games, and it's been really entertaining, and particularly because the first uh, two different groups that played their games were in Seoul, Korea, and Tokyo. So you really got um, some interesting perspective on how the fans over there watch baseball. And as a soccer fan, I thought it was cool because it's pretty much like watching soccer fans. What, what at a stuck out game. to you? Well, 
again, for one, the fans are cheering and chanting the nearly the entire time. They don't need music like we did talked about in the other segment. No, 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 they don't. They just they have like cheerleaders on top of the dugouts. They have a full net um, going down the uh, right and left field lines. I think Major League Baseball is going to have that this year. I think I think they actually extended it. The Uh, Phillies did extended it to the end of the dugout. Yeah. The the Phillies did to the end of the dugout. It wasn't a Major League Baseball thing, but that's something you'll you'll see this year down at the ballpark. Um, But for this tournament, uh, Team Israel got off to a great start, uh, start off 3-0. And also, I really enjoyed watching Team Korea play. I thought they had some players that are major league caliber hitters and uh, team Netherlands also team Japan. It's, so it's is, been really entertaining. Is team Israel the surprise of the tournament so far? I would say so. I don't think um, it's hard to judge because like China, Taipei and Korea, they don't have major leaguers on their team, but what's it kind of highlights how in America, even minor league baseball players are very strong caliber players and you're seeing you know a mixture of minor and major league players on the same team and um i think it just gives great insight into again like the style of baseball that different countries play and how elite a lot of the american talent is even minor league jeff you have you been watching yes i watched israel uh, uh, beat um king netherlands the other day king netherlands. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's the one that's the kingdom team. of I, the netherlands i know yeah. i I, it, uh, I enjoyed that I had to turn it off at midnight. It was time to go to sleep, but uh, they were up four to one at the time. I think that was the final score. So four to two. Did you two. enjoy the baseball that you saw? Was it exciting um, to you? No, it's kind or? of like uh, watching the Camden River Sharks. Do you remember them? So you're more yeah, of the casual observer, yeah. where and, Ryan is dedicated. Yeah. I enjoyed the debate that started on my Facebook page when I posted last week's show between some of our former guests uh, debating each other uh, each other on how many people actually watch and whether people will be watching. I do know that Bill Holmes, uh, our Boxing Insider guest, uh, is religiously watching this <laughs> tournament. He and Ryan Strauss have taken over my Facebook page to debate another one of our guests, Sean Kennedy, about the merits was, of the World Baseball Classic. He posted that he was watching the Australia-China game, and I, I was about to comment, admittedly, I almost slept in. I did sleep in for that one. That was the one game that I just completely missed. He was well, up watching. And, and most of these games, they're not... A, a normal, you know, three hours and it's done game. These managers are managing like it's game seven of the World Series. There's only three games in a in a each pool. So they're making seven or eight pitching changes in the game. All the games are taking four hours. If you're a baseball nerd like me, it's awesome, but for the average fan it might be a lot. So well, the, they, they're only allowed so many pitches. The pi- starting pitchers, they're only allowed so many pitchers, pitches in, a, in the game. I think it was 80. It goes up to 80, I think, uh, in the next round, which is, you know, you compare that to major leagues, that's nothing. It depends. I mean, some, every manager manages differently. Jeffrey, have you been watching the games? You've, you've been seeing what's going on with World Baseball Classic. I have been watching the games. I think they are very exciting, and I think that if you have a rooting interest, that it's kind of like the college atmosphere. If you, you know, if you, if you have a history with one country, if your family, your you know, your, the people that you, your your grandparents, things like that, you kind of root for it. So it's kind of like soccer. Exactly. My question though is how these guys get on these teams. So if somebody can explain to me how the Netherlands has all of these major league baseball players, I would love to know. Ryan. Yeah, there's an island called Curacao in the Caribbean that produces um, like Andrew Jones and a lot of the major league players like Didi Gregorius and uh, Jerks and Profar on uh, Team Netherlands grew up there and they're technically part of the Netherlands. Well, thank you. 
So so you legally accept now that King Netherlands is playing? <laughs> I am. So, Ryan, how is Team USA doing for us? Well, their first game is tonight against Columbia. Okay. I think they'll have a strong showing, but it's difficult if you lose two of the first three. Let's say we lose to Dominican Republic, who arguably has the strongest team. Then if we end up losing either to Colombia or Canada, then they're going to be out. Do we think that this is a ratings winner? I find it difficult being on Major League Baseball Network, not on ESPN or a more mainstream channel. I wonder whether the non-hardcore fan really knows what's going on right now. To me, this is marketing to the rest of the world. Other countries may be watching more baseball as a result of this and seeing better baseball because they are seeing a lot of these professionals. But if you're going to put on a game at 4.30 in the morning, it's a little hard to to grow baseball in any way in America. So sort of like the Dream Team in 92 did for the Olympics worldwide with international basketball. The World Baseball Classic increases the exposure in these countries, which will have a trickle-down effect of more players learning playing and growing the other day when israel was playing king netherlands there i don't think there was even 50 in the stadium it looked like it was practically empty they said it was at 1 30 in the afternoon there whereas here it was like the 10 30 11 o'clock at night um would i be out there 10 30 11 o'clock at night maybe but it would be the end of the game not the beginning so um i think from it could have been the teams that were playing too. That neither one of them is known to be, you know, a, a real hot uh, team. Oh, and they may not be a draw in draw the region there. Right I now, would think that yeah. when the home team plays wherever it is, and Ryan, you can speak more to the crowds. I think when the home team plays, the atmosphere yeah, is I mean, crazy. When the Japan was playing in Japan and when Korea was playing in Korea, the atmosphere is crazy. I think that was just because it was an off game. What I did find really cool at the stadium in Korea, it's a or actually at the one in Japan. The one in Korea is a, a dome stadium. Same with the one in Japan. But on down the foul line, there's one part where the seats are in front of the netting, and those are the excitement seats. <laughs> and they on the seats, they have a glove and a helmet that you can use as a fan, but you're supposed to leave it there with a sheet explaining. It's just very interesting. That's one example of how cultural difference. All right, Mr. Lawyer. Well, what if you're a lefty? <laughs> so what's the legal liability to if you put a note on your seat with a glove letting people know that you're in play well for, well first <laughs> the whole idea is ridiculous but 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 the fact is is on the back of every one of your tickets there's a there's a disclaimer that you should be paying attention and that you're, they're not responsible that usually holds up the the issue most what about if they sit you in the field <laughs> does that hold up if if you're dumb enough to go sit in the middle of the field with a projectile coming at you at 100 miles an hour, I think uh, well, they're still in foul argument. territory. It's just, it, I mean, you no, know, here we just that's part of baseball. You go to a game, you catch the foul balls, Come but there it's it. kind that, of taken away. That unless, might be a marketing idea for Major League Baseball. Put some seats in the outfield. <laughs> just like let, let people hang out it'll be the best seats in the house. Ryan, any other observations on the World Baseball Classic before we head to spring training? Just that all the games have been really competitive, and it's, again, I would encourage anyone to tune in. I, I saw Team Italy last night uh, stage a huge comeback in Mexico, went 10-9, scored five runs in the ninth inning. I mean, compared to um, spring training, I find it really entertaining. Jeff, 10-9, that's like that's not great. soccer scoring. Yeah, you, that's right. You'd yeah, like that. I sure would. Yeah. The other thing about uh, baseball, though, I, I would really like to see international teams play 
the Major League Baseball. They did team. actually. They yeah. had Team Canada play to the well, Blue no, Jays. A lot of the world, a lot of the clubs who have gotten ready for their World Baseball Classic games in the U.S. have been playing against Major League teams leading up. Uh, so you had Team USA had a game against Minnesota Twins. They had a game. Um, I forget who else, but there's a number of these. It was really interesting to see. I watched a game. It was San Diego Padres versus Team Mexico. I, I turned on Major League Baseball Network the other day and, and was surprised to see the same thing, to see one of the country teams playing against a Major League team. It's kind of like when they have like the college baseball team be the first tune-up for the pro right, team like Tampa, when they Tampa get to the Florida. Was. University of Tampa played the Phillies. Yeah. Yeah. The Phillies played uh, Dominican Republic before the last WBC, and Cole Hamels allowed a few home runs to the DR team. Oh, there, there yeah. we go. See, but I would like to see it on a regular basis, kind of like the Super Bowl was between the NFL and the AFL. Oh, so, so you want to see like a, a, champion, a champion versus champion? All right, then you could say that you're a World Series. So champion. what hap- what happens if you're on both teams? What about if well, you're on the, the, the championship the team no, and no, the country? No, no. I think the point that is worthy of being raised here is that when you watch Team Japan play, all these guys play in the Nippon League in Japan, and that's a really talented league. I mean, to say that. Uh, the World Series winner is the quote-unquote world champion. I think Jeff's point might be that maybe there should be an actual World Series where the Japanese League winner plays the Major League winner. In like Sounds a, like huge marketing dollars. To oh, yes. Yep. yes. Yep. And, and it, I think it would be Trademark that. it now. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'll, talk, I'll talk to my attorney. World Series is already taken. <laughs> right, yeah, okay, but, we're on to something. So we'll call it the real World the real Series world. or the, the whole World Series. World series. <laughs> Heart of Sports right, World yeah. Series. So, I think it, I think it would go over really well. Look look what what happened when the uh, Flyers years ago played the Soviet Red Army. You were there, team. yeah, I was there. We and talked that, about that, was, that on the air before. It was huge. I mean, there was a sellout crowd, and it was it was. Um, I don't know if they um, broadcasted at that time, but later years they did. I've seen video of it, and I enjoyed some of the the documentaries surrounding that with the the Soviet team, and when they had the Broad Street Bullies documentary. Right. I really I th- enjoyed some of those stories. I, th- that I came think out. it would be great, and I think it also would promote peace. <laughs> which we could all I don't think that someday. I don't think that Flyers game promoted much no, peace. No, but but baseball would. <laughs> Base, yeah. Baseball yeah, is baseball a would, more yeah. universal peaceful language than than <laughs> right. hockey, hockey the, sticks than to even the soccer <laughs> than even soccer, yeah. So let let's talk a little more baseball and the teams that are going to vie for the actual World Series. Phillies are in spring training. They've got some young players putting up some numbers that are surprising people. Are you guys expecting um, anyone to challenge the Cubs this year for the World Series? Who do you think is going to be a surprise team? I don't. Like I don't that? think the Phillies will challenge the Cubs for. I'm the not World saying Series. that, but I, I I don't know yet. I haven't. Um, I'm still knee deep in my fantasy hockey season, so I'm not into baseball <laughs> yet. <laughs> right. But uh, I'll get there and I'll give okay. you an analysis cool. once once I'm ready, Jeffrey. So are you, are, I was going to say you when you're talking about hockey. How about that Flyers game last night where they lost? to uh toronto so we're Leafs, right? we're taping this on a friday and last night the flyers played toronto so here is where i have a fantasy problem okay <laughs> so i really wanted the flyers to win last night i also had the maple leafs goalie anderson going as my fantasy starter and so i really wanted the flyers to win but i knew that every time they scored a goal or if he lost it would cost me points in my semifinals matchup now ultimately i want the flyers to win but the Flyers aren't going to the playoffs this no, season, and I am in the semifinals. Yeah. So I was very, very conflicted last night about what to do. The Flyers played well last night. Anderson made a ton of real good saves in the game. Um, they just don't have the firepower right now. No, they don't, and they also don't have the goaltending. 
(laughs) He only gave up two goals. If you're giving up two goals, or was it three? It ended up being three goals. No, they lost four. There was was an empty net goal. goal. Yeah, it was was three-two. But if your goalie's giving up two to three goals, you got to be able to put up two to three goals as a professional hockey team at this point. Sure, we want better, but at this point, from what we've seen after the trading deadline, same status quo. Right, right. And and really, uh, Mason did well the last four games. So he, he tried Nyverth, right? Uh, Nyverth, and didn't. He made a mistake last night. It was a fifty-fifty shot. Now everybody's asking for ha- Haxtell's head. Well, that's what we do in this city. <laughs> well, he, here's the problem with the Flyers: is the parts seem to be greater than the whole. Yes. <laughs> it, is is you have some really good talent. You have Simmons. You have Giroux. You have Shen. You have Voracek. You have what you would think would be a lot of offense. But for some reason, it just doesn't work. And it hasn't worked for a number of years. These guys, it's not like these guys have been around for one or two years. And it's time to move on because, you know, sometimes great players just don't play well together. You wonder what the Flyers team will look like next season. With what of these players, you have some of the defensive players that are on one-year contracts with younger players coming up, some of your more traditional offensive players when this combination hasn't gotten it done, do, does Hextall try to move some of them in the offseason? I think you have to. I, I think I, you have to move on from this group of players. I think you're going to have to make some changes. I just don't know what it is, and I still don't think that going into the season with both Mason and Neuwirth next year is a solution. No, I don't think so either. I, I I hate to be a broken record, but until we solve that... Now, part of the problem is defensive breakdowns. Sometimes the goalie's getting stranded and hung out to dry. It, it's sort of like we talk about in the first segment about drafting a defensive end so that the cornerback doesn't have to be on an island for seven seconds. You know, you can't hang your goalie out to dry all the time, too. There have been some bad goals that they've given up, but the lack of offense and the defensive lapses have created considerable pressure on the goalies to be perfect all the time and it's just not possible at least not for the goalies that i pick for my fantasy teams and that's that's what's been happening with the phillies they stopped hitting <laughs> the, the sixers stopped scoring you know things like that so yeah. we watched the sixers this week jeff uh, uh, i have some positive things to say yes you're sixers. going to be our ray of sunshine so, in sixers talk this absolutely week. they've uh, won 23 games so far I picked them to win 25. I think 25 games is respectable. So you're good if that happens. Right. Okay. See, I don't think the win total this year can be indicative of the season because it was kind of like two or three seasons within one. You had the first third of the year where they had Embiid playing almost every night, but they weren't winning games. It was kind of like it was last year, just getting shortened almost every game. Then you had the good stretch in January and when Embiid was playing in December. And then now after the trades, it's just pretty much every game they're allowing 120 points, no interior defense. And, I mean, the game against Portland last night. Um, that I went mean, to overtime, Nurkic, right? Yeah, and the player on Portland, Nurkic, he had 28 points, 20 rebounds. He had a career night against us. Yeah. Six blocks. It's not what you would hope for on the defensive end. With them beat out of there, there and Noel traded now, Okafor's not aggressive enough. There aren't enough big bodies in there. It's funny, Ryan, you said a few weeks ago that the Sixers aren't going to have enough big men now. And I kind of laughed about it at the time, but the big men that they have aren't a threat to anybody. So they don't have the right 
big men there, and they don't have the pieces on the outside. On the bright side, Sarge is still playing well. He scored 28 points last night. He's, the other night. he's got really good court vision. I love some of the passes and, and, and how he plays ball and his aggressiveness. Uh, that has been fun to watch this They've season. They've been allowing Dario to dribble up the ball more, which before the All-Star break they weren't doing as much. And I think that's helping with their transition offense. That's been a lot of fun to watch his development. It's been frustrating to see everything else that's gone on around the Sixers. And some of that excitement that was there just isn't in the arena right now. Can you imagine what it would be like if Saric doing well now, uh, Simmons with scoring and and playing and and Embiid? I feel like I've spent my whole life imagining things with Philadelphia sports That's the real fantasy basketball this year. (laughs) Yeah, but the the fantasy is is that they all actually get on the court at the same time. That's right. It's it's just my imagination. The Sixers' top pick in the last four years, three out of four of them didn't play the first season. Right, and right. the other one only played half a season. That's like now, that's be, car- be careful, Jeffrey. You're moving into the assets phase of the conversation, and Jeff quickly loses his mind when he hears about assets, trusting, or process. That's he like, has no patience for that's, that's any like of those words trading, at all. Trading your number one pick for uh, three or four other uh, uh, lower round uh, uh, draft picks this, just doesn't make any sense. The Sixers better draft somebody this year who has no red flags. Jeff believes that I should teach my son not to trust the process. He believes that I will, I need to raise him correctly and not have him buy in to the idea of asset monetization of well, your team players. It was a good start not naming him Hinky. There you go. There we go. <laughs> the, the interesting thing is we don't get a chance to really spend hundreds of millions of dollars like the GMs of the teams that we're talking about. It, it's really not up to us. It's fun to uh, fantasize and what we would do, but uh, the guys that really have that ability um, haven't done well in Philadelphia mm, in the last... Uh, that, that's why we're talking about it on there, yeah. that those who can't talk. Right. Uh, Ryan, we got about a minute before we go. You stayed up late last Sunday to watch the Union kick off their season. What did we see? Well, they got a 0-0 draw. That's a tie in Vancouver. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Um, it was just okay. I, I think too often the way team in soccer settles for a tie, which is just one point, when they can go for a win, which is worth three. Uh, the new midfielder, who I pronounce his name, Madunjanin, <laughs> uh, he's actually really good. So just look out for him this year. He makes a lot of great passes and should be entertaining. Jeff, did you stay up to watch the 0-0 tie for the Philadelphia Union? No, no. To me, soccer... Uh, Major League Soccer, that is, with all those players, 11 players on the field. Too much on it's there just, for It's you. like a ping-pong game, back and forth and back and forth. They don't get many shots off. goes into the offensive zone, and then it goes back into the other team's offensive zone. Uh, back and forth like you're watching ping-pong. But ping-pong, they score. I'm going to let Ryan debate you on another show about this. I know you have a different idea that you can bring up at a later date for, yes. for how you would improve what you get to watch. Right. Guys, before we sign off, some last comments. Jeffrey, you want to take us into the I'm looking forward to a good sunny season with the Phillies and a better than 500 record. Better than 500 record with the Phillies, Jeff. Uh, I, I would agree with that. That would be really good. You would I'd like, like to, to see a that. better yes. than 500 record, Brian. Yes. Your thoughts? I'm not expecting quite that this year, but I think uh, the World Baseball Classic has definitely made me excited for baseball in general. So all these sports have made me excited, but uh, March Madness starts like next week. By the time we are taping our show next week games will have been played teams will have been eliminated and dreams will have been crushed so i cannot wait uh go ahead you two of you do your little michigan thing 
Go Blue. Blue. There you go. Okay, that's enough. (laughs) Thank you, everybody, for joining us this week. Look forward to joining you next week on The Heart of Sports. Everybody have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.